Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Father, I thank you because you do the impossible. I thank you, Lord, because there's so many things that, that we try to do and we get it wrong and just make it a bigger mess than it ever was going to be in the first place. But nothing is impossible with you. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would be here today. You would speak to our hearts, that you'd minister life to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Luke says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This uh, Elizabeth, who's mentioned at the beginning, who was in her sixth month of pregnancy, Elizabeth was, uh, was Mary's relative. Uh, we don't know exactly how they were, were related, if they were cousins, if, if, if uh, um, Elizabeth was, was an aunt or a great aunt or, or, or whatever, but they, they were related. And um, apparently, well, Elizabeth was definitely beyond the age of childbearing, and apparently she was fairly well known for being barren because she and Mary did not live that close together, and they weren't, uh, you know, probably close relatives. It probably wasn't like a sister or something, and, you know, they didn't jump on Facebook and keep up with each other on Instagram or things like that, or uh, really even have uh, the United States Postal Service working for them. But Mary knew for Elizabeth to have a child, that was a big deal. So she was probably fairly well known for being barren, and yet she was now in her sixth month. And the birth of her son John <coughs> had been foretold by this same angel, by Gabriel, and she was overjoyed. Uh, Mary was at the other end of the spectrum. It wasn't that she was too young to have a baby, but she was a virgin, having never been with a man. And she had been chosen to bear the Messiah. Uh, and she too was... I presume overjoyed, but it had to be laced with a very liberal dose of apprehension because of the circumstances of her life. For both women, something impossible was taking place. So, something that could not happen was happening for both of them. Something frightening, and yet something wonderful. But wonderful in the true sense of the word, full of wonder. Uh, we rarely use it, uh, we use it far more cheaply than what it really is. You know, we, we see, um, oh, what's that guy's name from LSU? Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, we, you know, we see him making a, a one-handed catch and everything, go, wow, that's wonderful. No, it's not. I mean, it's amazing, but 
I know how he did it. Uh, there was a ball there, and he reached up, and he grabbed it, and then he pulled it in, and he caught it. That's not full of wonder. <laughs> full of wonder is something that you look at and go, oh, wow, I don't, I don't even, I don't get it. How can that possibly happen? How can this possibly be? And they were both instrumental in creating a new family. Elizabeth and Zachariah were old, and it appeared that there would be no trace of them left after they passed on. There would be no next generation to uh, bring them support and, and comfort in their, uh, in their old age. And let me just say, that's what's supposed to happen. Uh, the, the one generation is supposed to bring support and comfort to the next in their old age. Uh, we don't necessarily function that way in this country because for one thing we 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 move around where you know we're not around and people want to be self-reliant and everything and you know and to a to a degree that's great but what a privilege it was after after my mom passed away uh for the next four years while my dad was still alive I mean I obviously I got to live in the same town with him and I you know I'd get to visit him almost every day but uh, every every week I'd take him to lunch and that was a that was a that was a trip. That was that was a real experience. I mean, you know, if you've never taken a ninety year old to lunch, find you one, <laughs> and, and and go go do that. I mean, you know, you first of all you got to decide where you're going, and and then when you decide where you're going, you have to you, you know you got to get them out of the into the car, and then you got to get them out of the car, which is which is something, and it takes a little while to do that, and then you. Then you, you get into where you're going, and uh, uh, my dad used to like to go to Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box was, was still open, but, uh, you know, they didn't serve breakfast every all day, and he forgot that every week. You know, he'd come in and order, you know, a biscuit and, and something or other, and go, oh, Dad, they, you know, they don't have that. Oh, all right, yeah, that's right, they don't have that. You know, and then, and then uh, you know, watching a 90-year-old eat is an experience. And, uh, and, and, you know, and then you got to clean things up and then you got to get them back in the car and then you got to get them back home. But what a, what a rich privilege that was that, uh, you know, that I got to do that. Now, here's the thing, it, whichever side of the equation you're on, you know, if you're on, uh, uh, you know, some, you know, we have some people who are, you know, at that, at that place where now it'd be nice to to be having somebody do that for them. But most of us are a little below that. You know, if you're at the situation where you've got kids, you need to be nice to them. (laughs) Because if you live long enough, you're going to need somebody to take you to Jack in the Box (laughs) or or something like that. And if if you're the, if you're the, 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 the one who's younger, you have no idea how quickly it's going to come. You have no idea how quickly you're going to be the one who has the opportunity to do that for mom and dad. And then even quicker, you're going to be the one that needs somebody to do that for you. It, uh, it happens, you know, just like that it really does. So, but they, they didn't have that to look forward to. She had endured a lifetime of disappointment. A lifetime of broken dreams. This was not an era in which Elizabeth grew up dreaming of becoming an astronaut. 
or dreaming of becoming a, 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 a doctor or something like that. There was really only one dream that she could have. And it was really the best one. And that was uh, to become a mother. And month after month after month after month after month after month after month. Disappointment. The thought of having a child at her age may have brought uh, concerns, certainly, over health, safety. But she had reached a point where she would gladly face those fears. Gladly face them down for this incredible thing to happen to her. This wonderful, impossible thing to happen to her. Mary's concerns were of a, of a different nature. She, uh, she wasn't yet married. She was betrothed. Now what that meant was she and Joseph were considered to be married, but they didn't, they didn't come together yet. They, were not, they didn't live together yet. They had not had that kind of physical contact until the ceremony would actually take place. She wasn't married yet, and the man to whom she was betrothed knew that they had not come together yet. And the thought of having a child in that era, in those circumstances, had had to be, on one level, nothing short of terrifying. Because it was entirely possible and entirely permissible, even expected, for once this was revealed, her to be killed, stoned to death. However, she also knew she had not been with a man. And so if she was going to be with child, this had to be something wonderful. This had to be something impossible. Something miraculous. Miracles, the best miracles, the miracles that really make a difference are always private. I mean, you may see miracles happen, you know, and and somebody healed some incredible thing take place in, in somebody's life. And, you know, and that's great. And it may move you, but it's somebody else. You're just watching. It, it's, it's the miracles that happen to you. They're the ones that, they're the ones that really make a difference in, 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 our, in your life. And Mary knew that she had not been with a man. If she was going to have a child, that's a miracle. It's not one she's going to be able to go outside and go, hey, everybody, guess what? I've never been with a man and I'm pregnant. Mm, Don't think so. It's not something you're going to can announce. But for her, when I came back to the Lord, and and some of you heard me actually share this, and I'm I'm not going to share it because the miracle that was involved in bringing me back to the Lord was not a big deal to anybody else. If if I told it to you, you would go. You would. Well, really, what you would do is go. Really, that's it. But it was mine. It was for me. You know, I mean, uh, it's great that I believe that God parted the Red Sea. But guess what? I wasn't there. Yeah, I wasn't being chased by Pharaoh. It, it didn't deliver me to see that happen. I, I believe it happened. He's a great, great God. He became famous for it. But it did not bring me to the faith. What brought me to the faith was something small. And and, um, um, when uh, Mary, the the part that that Margaret read today, the Magnificat, uh, where Mary was proclaiming those wonderful things, 
she, she had come to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth greeted her by, by, ask, by calling her the mother of our Lord. Well, you know, she didn't read that on Facebook, okay? They, they hadn't sat down and had a conversation about it. I mean, she greeted her by calling her that, and it caused Mary to be so inspired that she burst forth with, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. How does she know that? She didn't. It was a prophetic word that just was birthed in her spirit. When the shepherds came to visit, Luke says that... Uh, Mary stored up all of these things and treasured them in her heart. These, these, these guys that they didn't know came and said, we just had angels appear to us and say, if we go to Bethlehem, we'll find the, Messiah, the Savior of the world wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a manger, and here he is. And Mary goes, I'm going to keep that one. And when the time comes later on, when everybody else in the family is going, he's crazy. And I'm kind of tempted to think, you know, he might be crazy. Everybody seems to think he is. I got something to draw on. When God does things in your life, don't don't blow it off. We have a tendency to do that when he does those little things. But if it's it's your miracle, that's, that's, that's precious. That's worth something. That's powerful. The man she was betrothed to was Joseph and... Matthew writes this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Zechariah was told by Gabriel about uh, John the Baptist being born to them, uh, he didn't believe. He he had trouble believing it, and he was... uh, struck unable to speak. He wasn't able to speak until John was actually born. In fact, until the day that they named him, that's when his, that's when his tongue was, was released. And that was, you know, that was inconvenient, I'm quite sure, but I, I also suspect that Zechariah considered it a small price to pay uh, for this wonderful thing that was going to happen. Joseph dealt with a much different kind of agony. When Joseph, Joseph first heard the news from Mary, and he didn't believe her, would you? Of course not. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if they loved each other or not. That wasn't necessarily the way things were done in those days. Uh, you know, if, if there wasn't love going on there, then at least it was a, it was a, a business arrangement, a very uh, respected one in the village. And, and that was going to have to be dissolved in some way. Uh, And he could either do it by exposing her, in which case he's totally in the clear. Righteous Joseph, everybody would think. But he decided to not do that. And, you know, maybe maybe he did just love her or maybe he was just a good man. You know, there are those around. And let me tell you, girls, find one. Don't settle for a jerk. Because there are plenty of those, too. And you can't always tell by looking. 
or by listening. It, you know, it takes some discernment from the Holy Spirit. He was a good man. So he was going to put her away quietly. And so that tells us right there that he didn't believe her. When Gabriel then came to him in a dream and, and said these things to him, he did believe. Now, this may seem like a no-brainer, but, but consider that he now not only had to share Mary's reproach, he had to bear her reproach. If they were going to stay in this town, I mean, it, it could no longer be, well, you know, she, uh, she must have gotten with some other guy. Everybody in town was going to point at Joseph now and go, you did that and you did it before you were supposed to which was a big, big deal. And that was it. Everybody was now going to point at him. He, he was the one who was going to have to, to bear the reproach and, and share the reproach. And what was he going to say to people? Oh, well, she says it's Messiah. Well, now everybody thinks he's a fool. Now everybody thinks he's a, an idiot for believing her. Or, well, you see, I had a dream about an angel. Oh, really? You had a dream about an angel, and so now you think this is Messiah. But Joseph, Joseph was a, a man of faith. He had to be. And as God always has done, and as he still does, he chooses ordinary people to become extraordinary because of their faith. And he calls them into his family. Elizabeth and Zechariah. You know, some hear and receive the good news only after a life of disappointment. Some, some they feel that, that they're too old to change. And, you know, that happens. It, it sneaks up on you. It sneaks up on you. You get stuck in your ways. And you begin to kind of, uh, and you just don't get it anymore. And when you were younger and you saw that happen to the generation in front of you, you kind of went, well, I'm not going to do that. And then the next thing you know, you are the generation in front of you, in front of somebody, and it, it has happened to you. And you just, and, you, and there's not, you can't look at the calendar and figure out when it's going to be. You can't go, well, let's see, I'm, I'm 45, and, and at 65, it'll be too late to change. So I got 20 years, you know, until that happens. No, it might happen to you at 35. Or 25, you, you, you don't know, it, it sneaks up on you and, and it gets there and, and it gets to the point where you don't think anything can be different. Can, can, can these dead bones live? Can, can life come up from this dry ground, from this, from this barren womb? Can, can anything change? When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, there used to be a, a term that you'd hear occasionally, people would debate uh, about deathbed repentance. Well, you know, can a person just live their whole life and, and, and live it selfishly and live it for themselves and then at the last minute call out, save me, Jesus. Will God do that? And, you know, a lot of people go, I don't think God could do that. Well, man wouldn't do it. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. But here's the thing. Do you know how much faith it would take? To live your whole life that way and then get to the end and go, save me, Jesus, and really, really believe he's there? Can, is it possible? Well, no, it's not with man. But what's impossible with man 
is possible with God. And many, many have been so, so ripped off and so drained by life under the tyranny of the world system that uh, there seems to be nothing left. Can, can these dead bones live? Yeah. In the early service, uh, um, our, our oldest daughter, Arwen, and her husband, Jeremy, come, and, and uh, they're two beautiful sons. And, uh, and Jack is, what, 18 months old now? Something like that. And Bo is five months old. And for the longest time, Bo would just kind of come and lay in his thing. But, you know, I, I, I cut him some slack because, you know, he's like three months old. You know. <laughs> but now he's five months old. And, uh, and, and Arwen was holding him today during the worship time. And it's on my Instagram account. I put, I put it there. Uh, and Bo, Bo was like, yeah, you know, he's like that. You know, and I, I, took, a, I, I took a picture of him and, and posted it and said, Bo knows worship. But uh, he, uh, but you know, I mean, he's like that. You know? and, and that's how we start out. That, that, that gift of life is given to us, and, and everything is fresh, and everything is new, and, and everything is, is this. And then we, we spend a little time in the world, and, and this turns into this, which then turns into this, which ultimately, if something doesn't happen to change, turns into this. Because the world does not have a supply of life. And all, the only way it can continue to exist is to just suck it out of those who have it. And God gives it to each one of us in the beginning. And it just comes out of us. What can be, what can be done about can, can that be restored? Can that be rejuvenated? Can that be put back in once it's been squandered, once it's been wasted, once it's, once it's actually gone? Well, it's impossible with man. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he becomes a new creation. The old is past. The new has come. Everything truly does become new. Mary and Joseph... <laughs> The news they heard, as frightening as it was, and as uh, difficult as, as the things that they faced, the news they heard was also just too good to be true. In the world, you know, we often hear that phrase, it's too good to be true, so it isn't. But even though we know it's too good to be true, so it isn't, we still, time and time and time and time again goes, you know what, it's too good to be true, but it is. And so we fall for it again and again and again. And scams come up all the time and we just keep falling for the same old tricks just like a cat. <laughs> okay, that's not in the Bible. But, but I just I made that up. Uh, I was inspired, though, by this picture. When we went to Zimbabwe, we... Um, we didn't have much money, and, uh, but we had a young family and everything, and so we felt like, you know, I needed some insurance, some life insurance. And this was back in the day when almost everybody bought whole life. That was the only thing that you bought, and it was, 
it, it was expensive. Uh, and it was possible to get uh, term life, but uh, once again, there weren't that many people buying it, so it was pretty pricey too. Uh, and we, we met this financial counselor uh, who, uh, who had this new product for us called Rental Life. Yeah. And while whole life was thousands of dollars and, and term life was like $1,000, which was, you know, just huge to us, this rental life was like 300 bucks. We went, yeah, sounds great. Uh, and, and it was great because I didn't die. And we didn't have to try and use it. Because we found out when we got back that it was a total scam. It's too good to be true. Too good to be true. People fall for scams every day. Uh, And so here are Mary and Joseph, and they're told, you're going to have the Messiah. For centuries, people have been waiting on the Messiah, the Holy One of God. For, for, For centuries, every young uh, girl, every 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 young virgin in in Israel had gone. Boy, let it be me. And you're telling me it's me. After all of these others, that sounds too good to be true. But you know what? God cannot lie. And so you mean that in order to have eternal life, all I have to do is believe and put my faith in God's Son. I mean, eternal life, we've been, we've been searching for that, you know, for, for the longest time. I mean, that's why Egyptians did mummies and things like that. And that's why Ponce de Leon was trying to found the fountain of youth. And that's why we're, we're looking for that eternity gene. Uh, so we can turn that sucker on and turn off the aging gene. And while we're opening, uh, you know, um, testosterone clinics and stuff like that and HGA, you know, I mean, this, this, it's not possible. Whoever believes in his son will have eternal life. Really? How, how can that be? Well, it's impossible with man. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. And he says, this is, this is the way that it works. And the news that they heard was going to radically change their lives. And uh, so often we, we hear the news of the gospel and, okay, maybe we can believe that that's possible, but we sure don't want our lives changed. Because we're just so comfortable. I mean, we're, we're making money or we're playing video games or we're buying shoe shop shoes or we're, you know, p- partying or we're uh, uh, putting on our NFL makeup or, you know, you know, something like that. I mean, I'm so happy with my life. It's hollowing me out on the inside, but on the outside, boy, am I faking it well. I have a confession to make and you know, this may be true confession time for a lot of you guys. Uh, you know, I like, I like football. I like the NFL. I really do. And, uh, and I like uh, um, fantasy football, even though two of my teams really stunk this year. Uh, you, you know, one is making a last-minute rush in the playoffs. Uh, I like all that stuff. But I have discovered <laughs> that the score of the games and the uh, statistics that are going to happen in the game don't change based on whether or not I watch the game. In fact, I've also discovered that maybe I don't enjoy 
spending three hours watching 12 minutes of action. And so I have learned how to watch football. I get a good book. I turn the television on and I hit pause. And I read three or four chapters. And then I watch the first quarter of action. Action only. And then I read a few more chapters. And then I watch another quarter of action only. Uh, So much of our lives, we get so taken up in things. We don't have time for a good book because we got three hours of commercials to watch. (laughs) An analysis. What would we do without NFL analysis? <laughs> We're so dull and adaptable, we find ourselves in the most meh and worse situations, but we fear change, and we think that new life is impossible. And it is, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. Mary and Joseph were called into some into unexplored territory, completely unexplored territory. This wasn't just an illegitimate birth. This was Messiah, and it was the most legitimate birth that could possibly take place. And they were called to a new family, an untraditional family, by the way. You may say, well, that looked like a mother and father and son. Wasn't his son. At this time of the year, uh, many get together with family. Some enjoy it. Some dread it. Some don't have it. But he has called us to become a new creation in the oldest, most established family there could possibly be. You know, uh, I've known the Laughlins for years. And and I love them. And and they love me most of the time. And... uh, uh, and I can imagine that that dinner you were talking about when Matt and his wife finally come home and all the kids are at the table. And You know, I can imagine it. I wouldn't belong there. I would be out of place there as well as I know them because that's not my family. Uh, and, and oftentimes we feel isolated or we, we feel alone or we feel like we don't have that. God is, God is going... That's what I want to give you. I want to give you a, a place at the table where you do, in fact, actually belong. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. When we were singing that in the first service, I, I was holding my oldest grandson, Jack. And, and, and the line that really got me wasn't, that's who you are, that's who you... I mean, it, it was, that's who I am. That's who I am. Because I'm holding him there and I'm going, you know, Jack, you don't know it, but... All this love you feel for me, it's got nothing to do with anything you've ever done. It's who you are. It's who you are. And that's why I, that's why I feel that way about you. We aren't all God's children. We're all God's creation. But in order for us to become God's children and part of his family, something wonderful has to happen. Something wonderful has to take place. And John tells us that the, the true light that gives light to every man came into the world. And that's what this season is about. That's, that's what we celebrate. And though 
the world was made through him. The world didn't recognize him. He came to those who were his own. His own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children. Born not of a natural descent, not of a human decision, not of a husband's will, but born of God. It's wonderful. The wonder, the miracle of Christmas is that what is impossible has been made possible by God. You bring the house lights down. One small child in a land of a thousand. One small dream of a Savior tonight. One small hand reaching out to the starlight. One small city of One small city. Life, small city of life. One king bringing his gold and riches. One king ruling an army of might. One king kneeling with incense and candlelight. One king bringing us light. promised to do something earlier in the service, and I didn't get around to it. Um, Jordan, this is your last Sunday with us. Before you go back, we're going to pray for you. So come on up here. Uh, Jordan, as a lot of you know, 
has been in Honduras now for one year, year and a half, and you're committed to two more years or two or more. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, this will be the last Sunday she'll be with us for a while, and we want to pray for her. Uh, but we also, uh, this offering was taken up for Jordan, and she didn't know that. Uh, the, uh, and you guys, you guys, uh, you know, I was, I was, Hoping we might get enough to get you a rental life insurance policy. <laughs> uh, but these people, uh, not even knowing what they were giving to, gave uh, $5,397. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most people, uh, when they, uh, young people, when they get out of college, you know, they're ready to go and make money or tame the world or, or go and do something. Uh, this girl's yeah. ready to go and serve. Uh, yeah, if you, if you, uh, if you feel a special connection with Jordan and I don't want everybody to rush down here, but, uh, you know who you are, come and, and surround her. We're going to pray for her. the rest of you. Just, uh, stretch your hands out here and Bruce, you need to be down here because I know that you, uh, have been the inspiration behind a lot of what's happened in Jordan's life. Father, I thank you. I thank you that life uh, can be rich and meaningful. And uh, I thank you that what you have called Jordan to uh, isn't exactly that. Uh, that you've called her to, uh, to minister to those who truly have need of, of love, who truly have need of someone to, to be there for them. And Lord, that uh, she's approached this in such a selfless, yes. selfless manner. Yes. Uh, and so, Father, I thank you for her. I pray that you would uh, protect her. I pray that you would bring her great joy and, and great peace. And Father, I pray that, uh, that what she does would bear fruit that will last for eternity. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Let me just say. For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you're here today and you need prayer, we actually were going to do that last week. We were going to take up, I was going to mention it on the 6th, and we are going to take up the offering on the 13th, but Jordan was going to be out of town on the 13th. And uh, so we had to manipulate it to get when she was going to be here. Uh, 
if you need prayer. This is a, this is a wonderful season. It's a beautiful season, but it you know rust doesn't sleep, and there there are there are needs. And if you if you uh, are one of those people who maybe are not all that looking forward to uh, getting together with family this year, you know what? Have you ever thought of just going, hey God, can you change this? Can can it be different this time? Can you heal these relationships? See, what's impossible with man is possible with God. If you need prayer, just come. And if you don't, worship with us for a few minutes.